You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now. So get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lords. Hey everybody and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 18. The Magician's Apprentice and the Witch's Familiar. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my companion through podcasting time and space, we have Paul Gann. Affirmative. <laughs> Going back to your old What's standby. Up? I love it. <laughs> hey, they need to bring him back. They do you know? need to bring K9 back. <laughs> uh, but I, I still say Peter Capaldi would be more of a cat person than a dog person. Well, I will say this. I've been paying a little bit closer attention as far as you know, referencing classic doctors. And I'm seeing a lot more Fourth Doctor in there the last couple of episodes than I expected to. So. Well, con- considering the subject matter, that's not too surprising. <laughs> but yes, we are here uh, talking finally about Series 9 of Doctor Who. Uh We've been waiting for this, we've been building up to this. The first episode came out last weekend, and then this weekend the second episode came out. But since it's a two-parter, we're like, well, let's wait and talk about it together. And so I know everybody, we sort of previewed a little bit and sort of gave like a little teaser for, you know, what we might be talking about. Because last episode we talked about Davros, gave you sort of a Spark Notes, yes. uh, spark notes uh, run-through of... Paul's favorite villain in the Doctor Who universe, in all of Doctor Who time and space. And at uh, this point, he still is. <laughs> well, especially <laughs> after these two episodes. And so, if you if you want to get sort of a the full impact of Davros in regards to these two episodes, do do go back and download uh, episode seventeen, which is simply called Davros. <laughs> Spoilers. But I do want to give a full spoiler warning. We are going to be talking the heck out of these two episodes. I assume most of you who are listening have probably already seen them. Uh, And so it won't be too much of a spoiler warning for you guys. But for those of you who have not, there is going to be no filter about what we say on this episode. Uh, is, is part two on YouTube as well? I know part one was. I have not seen anything about that, I, but I haven't looked either. So 
Possibly? Hold on. <laughs> now you've got me curious, and I must look. <laughs> I was going to say that uh, if you haven't watched them yet, pause the show, go and watch them, and then come back and listen to the show. Just, just be sure to come back, you know. Uh, yes, come back. <laughs> It uh, da, 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 da. it does not appear that BBC put out the second episode. I think they put out the the premiere episode just to get more people who may not all you know normally check out the show interested and curious to check it out. Uh, it does not appear that the Witches Familiar has been put out by BBC on YouTube. The Magician's Apprentice is there. You can also the get thing, the, the season pass from iTunes, which is one of the things I did, so I can yes. go back and rewatch these. The thing that I find interesting uh, about these titles, first of all, is that the title of the first one refers back to the very, very beginning of the episode where <laughs> you see one character that you never see ever again through the entirety of the episode. <laughs> I, I find that interesting because it, it's almost named that way to throw you off. Who are you talking about? Uh, what's his name? Um, the guy the, with the axe at the beginning. Oh, uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. yes. Because yeah. he's, he's actually the, uh, the apprentice that they're talking about because uh, he calls the doctor the magician. That's right. His name and is he, Bors. There we go. Yes, and he names him that even more so uh, in the the prequel uh, shots that we got to see at the theater. Yes. Uh, the question, which the question is, you know, if while well, the Doctor is obviously the magician, though, is Bors really the magician's apprentice? I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe we're talk was, about that. He was at the beginning of the story. Let me put it that way. It wasn't quite so clear as the story went on as to whether or not they were actually referring to him or not. Right. You know. Right. But before we get too far into this, I do want to uh, take a pause for some of our, our listener reactions to this. We did ask everybody on Facebook and Twitter what they thought of these first two episodes, and we have a couple of responses. Uh, Kenny Crayley Jr. said, great first and second episodes. Can't wait for more. I also like it that there will be more two-part episodes. And Eric Marshall said, Great so far. The Magician's Apprentice caught my attention off the bat, but I felt that The Witch's Familiar was weaker. Not to say that either have been bad, but I felt that the second part wasn't as exciting as the first. Though that might be because I thought we were actually going to see Davros die. Silly me. Uh, that's some of your feedback on the episodes. Uh, Paul, before we dig into the details, overall thoughts on these on this two-parter? <laughs> the let's call it the Davros two-parter. Uh, well, as as soon as I saw that Davros was going to be in this thing, I was pretty much hooked. Did you um, know that he was going to be in before the episode? I the had theater? no clue. Okay. Uh, as as a matter of fact, I wasn't even sure whether or not the first couple episodes were going to be the ones about the the Daleks or not. Mm -hmm. Because I even though. Uh, we got those lists that came out from uh, Stephen Moffat and everything. I've pretty much tried to stay 
spoiler free for the most part. Right. I would rather I would rather speculate about what I think is going to happen than actually than know. Actually know because yeah. I, I like to find out as I go. Now I'm not going to say that I'm that way with everything that I'm a fan of, but with specific uh, shows and things, I am that way. Yeah, you know, I I aside from like you know officially released things like the stuff from Radio Times or things that BBC releases, right. Right. Uh, I generally stay spoiler free and I don't go hunting these things down. If they cross my path, I'll look at them. You know, like, oh, well, this is cool. BBC released this, or you know, Radio Times released the episode guide, or. You know, right. by Stephen Moffat, you know, that sort of thing. And not always because I'm not, you know, I'm trying to avoid the spoilers, but sometimes it's just because I'm too busy to actually hunt them down. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm going to watch it later anyway, so I might as well, well just wait. You know, I'm, so. I'm not necessarily actively trying to avoid them, but I'm just not looking for them. And if I know for a fact that it's going to have spoilers in it, I usually just kind of skirt around it and move on to something else. Right. You know. If the article has a spoiler warning attached to it, I generally will not. Just because I like to experience it and I don't like to have too many other ideas going in. Now, if it says rumor, I'll read a rumor. But that's more speculation than it is spoiler. And for you me, know. it depends. But yeah, Davros. Davros being introduced as this kid. That caught me completely off guard. I was <laughs> sitting there, you know... Uh, there's, there's two showings of, of the show, um, you know, one at nine o'clock and one at midnight, and we missed the nine o'clock one because my sister was over and we were watching uh, college football. Um, our, our, mine and my sister's alma mater was on TV, and and we get the game, and she does not have a TV at her apartment, and so she comes over to our house to watch the game, and so I wait till midnight to watch Doctor Who, and so I avoid the internet between nine and midnight <laughs> because I don't want to know anything. But I'm sitting there watching the show with my mom, and because she's gotten into the show too, <laughs> and we're watching this kid avoid the hand mines, and all of a sudden, what's your name? Tell me the name of the boy who's not going to die today. Davros. And I think my expression was about the same as the doctor's. You expected his eyeballs? Uh, not eyeballs. You expected his eyebrows to fall off? <laughs> His, his attack eyebrows to run and hide. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my, but that's all the look on his face. I almost expected his eyebrows to fall off his face. You know, was, <laughs> my mouth dropped open, and thank goodness the 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 title sequence started to roll because it, that sort of shocked me out of it. And I turned to my mom and I went, "Do you know who that is? Do you know who that is? You know." And I had to quickly explain in as few words as possible because it was already half over the title. But oh my gosh, it caught me completely off guard. I knew the Daleks were back, um, but Davros caught me completely by surprise. That was really cool to go into that without any idea whatsoever that he was going to be in the episode. Oh man, and that sort of just kicked off an awesome first episode for me i, I just well, want to say in general these two episodes i loved them i thought they were fantastic to to use when, a borrow word I from the ninth saw, doctor when i saw the battle scene at the beginning of the of the episode i was i was thinking that really reminds me of the battle scenes that we saw before on scarrow 
Mm-hmm. Like in Genesis of the Daleks? Yes. And I was like, that's got to be Scarrow, you know? <laughs> but then it never even once registered with me that that kid was going to be Davros. And I was, you know, I was blown away completely when he said Davros. I just kind of froze and just looked at the screen and I was like, did you just say what I think you said? And <laughs> You know, it's <laughs> almost I, as I was watching it digitally, uh-huh. <laughs> so I rewound it and watched it again just to make <laughs> sure. You know, <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, uh, because I I watch my stuff digitally uh, because I don't have cable anymore. Oh, so yeah. sad face. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, oh, I'm going to say overall, these two episodes were really a great way to kick off the new season. I, I'm going to agree a little bit with uh, Eric and say that The Witch's Familiar was not quite as good as The Magician's Apprentice, in my opinion. Not to say it wasn't good, because it was, uh, but I think The Magician's Apprentice had a bit more punch to it than The Witch's Familiar did. So, overall thoughts before we start digging more into some of these details, Paul. My, my over my overarching thought, I guess, would be that it satisfied me with the story. It made me want to find out now where they're going to take the next step with the Daleks because of the whole supposed hybridization of Dalek and Time Lord DNA. You know, because that makes me think that it's possible that the Daleks could have regenerative, 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 regenerative power. There we go. Point, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about um, that. We, we, we'll talk about that uh, more when we get to the details section here. But well, that would make them even more dangerous. You know. Yeah. But we still haven't completely found out yet what the Doctor's secret is. No, no. And and according to that episode guide that Stephen Moffat released, it seems like that'll be something that's teased out over this, this the, the season, and we'll find out at the end mm-hmm. why he left Gallifrey. Because that's the big confession that everybody wants to know. Why did you leave Gallifrey? Which I it's... thought was interesting. It's something that's been speculated about for years. You know, I've heard different theories and things like that. One of the theories that I heard from somebody uh, at one point was that uh, uh, the doctor had left Gallifrey because of something negative to do with Susan. And he was trying to protect Susan from something uh, on Gallifrey. Maybe she had done something illegal or something like that. And that he was trying to get her off planet before the authorities got her or something like that. The, the theory was that that was the reason why he didn't have quite as many issues with leaving her uh, when he did is because he knew she would be safe there hmm. uh, and that she couldn't be tracked back to him at that point, you know. Yeah. Uh, but there's that's just one of the theories that I had heard over the years, you know. Of course, there's always a, a sort of a standard theory of he just gets tired with the way that the Time Lords do things, and he wants a little bit of adventure. Even even as the First Doctor, as an old man, he wants to see things, and he's curious about things. And so uh, he, he wants a little bit of adventure. So he and his granddaughter, 
get tired of the way that Gallifrey has become stagnant and the way that they just sort of dither and do nothing. And so he wanted to go see things and be a part of things. So right. there's always that, you know, sort of a standard idea. But I, something tells me that since they're making a big deal out of it this season, uh, it's not going to be something that mundane as right. I want to go see the universe, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, now, I will say this, and, and th- I'm not going to touch on this very deeply because we're going to discuss this much later in the anniversary episode for the Eighth Doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is there is a secret that's told in the Eighth Doctor movie uh, that's never been referred to before or after that movie um, that is supposed to imply that there's a reason why the Doctor is different in his personality and different in his unpredictability and things like that in comparison to the other Time Lords um, is -hmm. because he's not quite the same as the other Time Lords. We we can't really say that about the Master because we know that the Master has basically been driven crazy over the years. Every time he returns, he becomes a little bit more unbalanced and a little bit more insane um, largely due to the volatile uh, nature of his many returns <laughs> right uh, but you 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 see it progress you know mm-hmm. from the classic series over into the new series and you can actually see the changes in his personality and everything and i think that the reason why the master or missy or the mistress whatever you want to call her we call her the master but um, well, after so these episodes, well, I think I'm willing to to call her know. Missy. <laughs> um, but we we can see how the face that she wore prior to this, as unbalanced as the master was then, it directly leads into how an unbalanced she is now. Right. You know, and so the way that she pulls off that character, I think, is just really great. You know. <laughs> Well, then let's dive right into that. Uh, Missy in these two episodes, she's back. Boy, what a calling card. First quoting the the lyrics of that song on the Doctor channel at Unit. Uh, And then stopping all the planes in the sky just to get somebody's attention. Because who would be crazy enough to stop all the planes in the skies just to get somebody's attention? Missy, (laughs) of course. And I think after these two episodes, I'm okay with calling her Missy rather than just the Master. So, uh, but I will probably refer to her as both. Well, I called her the Mistress, but you know, yeah. Jason said he liked the Master better. So I, I do, but I, I'm a funny buddy when it comes to these sort of things. Anyway, she's looking for the Doctor. He's disappeared. She's got his confession dial, which, uh, not too surprising, that she's the one who got it. I at least. To me, well, I think it would surprise some people. Yes, it would surprise some people. But uh, as someone who has had the the good fortune of being able to see the wide scope of the series and the relationship the Doctor and the Master have, uh, it does not surprise me that she's the one that got it. And as funny and slightly heartless as the comparison was. She's kind of right when she says to Clara, you see that couple over there? You're the puppy. As 
you know, funny and heartless as that is, it's yeah. pretty much true because the doctor well, and the master keep running into each other and, you know, trying but, to kill each other. That's their texting. If you look at it, if you look at it from the standpoint of how many times the doctor changes companions and things like that, symbolically, she's probably right. But I don't think the doctor would necessarily look at it that way. No, no. You know? She definitely does, because, you know, eh, he's got another puppy, you know. That's that's her perspective <laughs> on this, you know. Oh, look at you. You got a new puppy. How sweet, you know. Right. Zap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> As she coined for herself yeah, last I... season, she's bananas, you know. <laughs> I, I like the fact that she makes just enough sense that <laughs> that she can follow what she's trying to put out there, but then she'll throw in something randomly that has nothing to do with anything that she said before. You know, she'll say something like, oh, let's go bake a pie, or, you know, just <laughs> random, you know? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, she's, yeah. Oh. Bananas. Um... <laughs> But she is, she was great in this episode, and it was one of those great things where, while she was hilarious and funny, and it was fun to watch her almost be like the, almost be a companion in some sense, it was great at the end of the day, particularly in The Witch's Familiar, to see the fact that, no, she really is still evil. She really is still the right. master and still a villain in Doctor Who. And, and of course, we get a glimpse of that in uh, The Magician's Apprentice, where Clara says, if you want us to think that you're good, and she goes off and starts killing all the unit soldiers. Um, just because she can. Just just to prove I'm not good. Don't insult me, basically. Uh, was was that... Um... See, to me, that shows how unbalanced she is, because... Oh, yeah. You know, I, I honestly don't think that the Master would have necessarily gone to that length, you know, in one of his past incarnations, especially in the classic series to have just proven the point to say I'm evil, you know, because I think, I mean, he, he could have, but I don't think he necessarily would have chosen to, you know what Dep I'm saying? It depends on the situation. Um, it would depend on the situation, I think, for, yeah, for that. I think it would have had more to do with whether or not it helped further his plan uh, than just random killing yeah or or affected the doctor you know or how it affected the doctor but um at the end of the day though it was really kind of interesting because in the witch's familiar she goes back to the you know the dalek city there on scarrow which we can talk about later with clara and she sort of seems to kind of be all in favor of this rescue attempt but then she just sort of once she gets back there she gets sort of on her own and kind of rogue again which was nice to see that she's not you know oh we need to rescue the doctor and help him out and all that stuff because you know the master always has at his core and now especially at, at, and at Missy's core too self-interest at right. heart that is the driving motivation for the master self-interest right. how can I control this situation how can I be in charge uh, which is nice to see what did you think of what she did with Clara and the Dalek. You talking about in the second half? In the second half, in the Witch's Familiar. Oh, are we that far ahead yet? Well, we're jumping around. <laughs> we're jumping around. Um, we're talking about Missy overall. Well, okay. 
you're talking about the the fact that she tried to make the doctor think that it, she was a regular Dalek. Yeah, both, both the fact that okay. she stuck Clara inside and and what she did with the doctor there at the end. I almost feel like that. Well, I put it this way: when she when she had Clara get inside of the Dalek, for me, I found that interesting on a couple of different levels because. Things that had been alluded to over the years as far as how the Daleks operate and things like that were confirmed at that point as to this is how the Daleks control their their tank uh, armor and this is how you know they reload their weaponry and things like that. And so now we, we get to understand the reason why they're yelling exterminate is because that's how they load their weapon. The way they focus their their uh, rage to fire the weapon and right. the yelling exterminate helps keep that rage going. But the thing is, they're not physically yelling exterminate from their bodies inside the 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 tank armor itself is yelling that in response to their psychic link mm-hmm. every time they go to load their gun. It's it's almost like a confirmation as to okay, your weapon is loaded, uh, and I think that that explains that in such a way so that it just makes logical sense at this point, you know, uh, in, in comparison to people saying, well, you know, I think it's kind of silly that they just run around all the time yelling exterminate or whatever. Well, now we know the reason why. Now, now we know that this thing is psychically linked into their bodies. We know how they control it. We know how it functions on... Uh, all these different levels and and having that knowledge now to me makes him makes the Daleks feel cooler to me than they did even more you know even more cool to me now than they than they did before because it makes their armor to me seem more real world I guess you'd say hmm. um, if that makes any sense yeah. Um, yeah. We know that there's a function behind it, and we know that there's a reason behind it, and we know that you know even though we wouldn't necessarily control something like that psychically in real-world terms at this point, it's not to say that we couldn't at some point control something like that through thought if they found a way to tap into that. Of course, it, how the Dalek casing retranslates what Clara says. Right. Got... You know, at first it was kind of interesting, and then it got really frustrating, and really kind of, at least for me, a little bit terrifying because of you know what happens when she has to confront the doctor. So See, that's what I was gonna say. It almost came off as creepy. Yeah, uh, because she says something, and it, it says something completely different. Um, she says, you know, my name is Clara, and it, and it comes out, I am a Dalek. Right, but I, you know, that part once I saw how that ended up with Missy trying to do what she did try to do to Clara. I, yeah. I, I realized then that that was kind of Missy's plan the entire time was yeah. to try to figure out a, how to make the doctor kill his own companion. Yeah. Which definitely feels like a plan the master would have because it, at the end of the day, she wants him to become like her. Right, right. The, that they're the doctor and the master or Missy are are not really that different. She wants to prove it. It, it is very much Joker and Batman. 
in right. that regard. There's there's a, a level of you are like me. We are the same. You're just denying it, and you haven't accepted it. Right. That's that's from the master's perspective, you know, and and she wants to force the doctor to experience and accept that fact, but he, you know, he refuses to because he's not the same. As much as Missy believes the opposite. And and if you're paralleling it with the Joker and Batman, like you said, that also explains why the Doctor hasn't killed the Master. Is because he's trying to find something redeemable about the Master. Because he wants him to stop being cruel and heartless and go back to being that child he knew back on Gallifrey. Right. And, and we you know. saw that particularly with David Tennant uh, and the Master. You know, we, we did see a lot of that dynamic play out of, of the Doctor mm-hmm. trying to redeem the Master. If we keep going, we're going to make this a Master episode. Oh, I know. I know. Well, <laughs> I, I, think, I think that's, for the most part, what I want to address about Missy. It was... Uh, one last thing is when the Doctor figures out Missy's plan there at the end, and he just says, Missy, run. I was like, <laughs> oh, you pissed off the Doctor. That's not a good idea. <laughs> uh, well, you know, he, he it's, it's kind of the same dynamic, I think, that you had at the end of Batman Begins, where Batman tells Ra's al Ghul, he says... I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you, <laughs> you know. And so I think the doctor was was telling her to run because he was making it clear, you're not coming with me, and whatever happens to you when I leave is on you. Right. You know. <laughs> Which is not the first time the doctor's done that. This is going back to that old classic doctor-master relationship. This is very classic right. who. And we'll get to that, you know, <laughs> years down the road probably by the time we get to our master episode <laughs> reviews um maybe slightly well, exaggerating it depends, but... everybody chooses. it depends on what everybody chooses when it comes to what villain we're going to talk about next right whether cyberman or the master uh, exactly. we want to get those th- the big three out of the way first and then we'll get to some of the other ones anyway neither here nor there at this point but um but it was a very classic who, you know, ending for the for Missy as well, where she gets cornered by a bunch of Daleks, and then at the very end, oh, I have a very clever idea. And then we don't <laughs> see it, you know. It's like, well, now we know that she has an idea of how she's going to escape for whenever she comes back. <laughs> let, let me ask you this. Uh, what did you think uh, about the scenario where... Apparently, Clara and Missy both got zapped and killed. Oh, I was immediately going, okay, how does she work? How did she work the vortex manipulators to do that? That was my first thought because at the beginning, yeah, because at the beginning, it was like, you know, they're not dead, obviously. Um, It's too early in the season to kill off Clara, (laughs) and the master is never dead. Uh, you just can't kill the master. Um, <laughs> earlier on in the episode, when Missy zaps she and Clara back to uh, the medieval castle to find the Doctor, mm-hmm. 
she mentions the fact that they've both got the Vortex manipulators and that Clara's manipulator is slaved to Missy's. And whatever mm-hmm. Missy's does, Clara's will do. And so since Missy was, quote-unquote, shot first, I was like, right. okay, she's figured out how to get out of this. And so when Clara gets shot, it's going to do the same thing. I just didn't know how it happened. I knew it happened, but I didn't know how. Well, so that was my first thought. It, that's not the first thing that went through my head at first. Uh, the first thing that went through my head was uh, we're going to have a similar scenario to what we've seen uh, in another storyline where the Doctor changes time and brings them back. That was my first. That was my first thought. My my second thought came later because, you know, I had almost an entire week before I saw the second half. And I kept thinking something about that didn't look right. Something about that was different. And I just haven't figured out what it is yet. Something about that scene was different than it should have been. And... I went back and I watched all the Davros episodes during the week before we did our Davros episode. And it didn't strike me until I got to the very last episode of the classic series with Davros. And then it suddenly struck me that every time the Daleks shoot someone, you see their skeleton and all this show up like there's like, you know, it normally does. But then you see them fall to the floor and die. Right. But then when they got shot on this episode, they disappeared. Yes. And so that's what hit me. And I was like, that's what was different. You, It looked like they got shot like normal, but you never saw them fall to the floor and die. They, they basically vaporized. Exactly. And so that struck me as different because I was thinking... Either the Daleks got a new kind of gun that can vaporize somebody, (laughs) or they teleported out of there somehow. Right. But the thing is, too, this also explains how Missy escaped the end of last season. Yes, the Brigadier Cyberman. Yes. Even though she tells Clara at the beginning of the episode that she has no need of knowing how she did what she did... She just didn't die. Yeah. Dying is for other people. You know, this explains how she did that without actually going back and explaining it, you know. Right. I think Clara mentions it briefly, like, oh, that's how you escaped last time, you know, that sort of thing. (laughs) Um, And, and of course, that's taken from, uh, apparently the Master has taken that from the Doctor, an old trick the Doctor used to escape uh, a bunch of assassin robots or whatever it was uh, apparently it's not original to the master which little is except wanton death and chaos um, <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> I just threw that in there I'm not a... well like like we said before though the master has become sort of like the joker he he thrives on chaos you know mm-hmm. and yeah. Whereas Davros is uh, much more calculated, much more cold and 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 thoughtful into everything he does. 
So they they still they both have similarities about them, but they all they both have completely opposite uh, agendas at the same time when it comes to organization and chaos, you know. Right. Before we we delve into the Doctor and Davros, I, I just want to real quick ask you what your thoughts are on the various types of Daleks that we saw in this. You know, we, we sort of mentioned the fact that that was something that we had seen in the trailers, that we have got all of the different kinds of Daleks from across the the Doctor Who spectrum, classic and new. Would you like to see that? Did you like that? And would you like to see well, that continue? I, I did like that, but I liked it for probably different reasons than some other people might. I liked it because I felt like that it was a way to tie together some of the Dalek stories that we'd seen in Classic Who along with the stories that we're seeing now. Um, and and it, it did a couple of things for me. Um, when they started talking about the Daleks were engineered not to die, but yet they would still decay, it got me to thinking they're recycling these, these tank armors. Mm. You know, they're they're pulling one Dalek out once he's not useful anymore, and they're putting another one in. And so these tank armors have been around since the beginning, and so they're just re- recycling them. So that's one thing that I thought about it. The other thing that I thought about it was, in doing this, especially if they continue to do that, which, honestly, I, I could be completely off about this, but I believe that you also got to see some of that in Asylum of the Daleks, too as well uh i know you did in the asylum of the daleks itself yes yeah we um, we did see uh the the special weapons dalek but i uh, can't remember exactly if you got to see some of the other classic daleks in the large chamber room with the the high council yeah i can't, I, I, I don't I know, think it, i know that you got to see some variations but i don't know if you got to see all of them you yeah know. I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, I I do like this. Partly because I just I, I love the idea of, of all the different kinds of Daleks just sort of melding together and I like the variations on them. I like the fact that they're doing it that way at this point and I hope they continue to do it that way because in my mind if they're doing it that way, you actually can then say that as far as the Daleks timeline goes, some of the events from the classic series could have happened after events in the new series as far as the Daleks timeline goes, not necessarily on the Doctor's timeline, but as far as the Daleks timeline goes, it gives you the ability to then have some more flexibility there and make some things gel together better, you know, and and it doesn't seem quite as disjointed sometimes as to say, you know, well, why did this happen? I thought this had happened before. You know, well, why did that happen? I thought this had happened before. Because then you have a little bit more flexibility because then you can say, well, there's Daleks like that in the new series. So how do we know that they didn't send them from that era back to this era at this point for this reason? To me, that makes it a little for a little bit more interesting storytelling. Gotcha. I... I hope it continues, but for a much less complicated reason. Um, <laughs> I, I, I I have very many layers. I have a, <laughs> I, I, I have onion brain. I can't help it. <laughs> onion brain, nice. Um, I just like it because it sort of 
brings the classic and new together, and it sort of gives right. it this cross-show continuity. Well, I, I, I meant it the same way. I just well, meant I, it, I, I know, no. it, and it just visually though, it helps to right. visually connect the two, and uh, maybe maybe it will you know, inspire some people to go, oh, that's a classic Dalek, right? Well, maybe I should check out one or two of those episodes, you know, that sort right. of thing. Because, obviously, I'm a huge fan of the classic series. And I want people to be able to enjoy it the way I do. So, uh, I will use everything I can to say, see, see, classic, you should go check it out. Um, <laughs> well, see, that's the reason I like it when they bring when they bring villains from the classic series into the new series. Um, because I think that you're not only paying homage, but you're also making it so that people want to go back and see what happened with these villains and stuff before, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's one of the reasons I was so happy when we finally got to see Davros come in with David Tennant's doctor is because you, you got to go back and you got to visit just what made that character so special in the first place, you know, mm -hmm. and when you bring that character in, then you have people going, I want to find out more about that character. Where did he come from? And then they want to go find those episodes from the classic series so that they can find out a little bit more about that character. And it, it's a way to cross promote the show within itself, I guess, you know? Right. And the way that Davros was pulled off in these episodes, he is definitely back to form. You know, he is definitely back <laughs> as a the, the classic scheming Davros. Of course, he sent his little henchman, Colony Sarf. Yeah. Who's this colony of sentient snakes. In a robe. Democratic. In a, democratic. Si in a Sith robe. Yes, in a Sith <laughs> robe. Yes, this... And they're democratic because they vote. <laughs> We're a democracy. No. Oh. Okay. Um, but... <laughs> Apparently, your legion as well. <laughs> well something. We are but he's legion, sent... for we are many. Davros <laughs> <laughs> uh. sends Colony Sarf out among time and space, looking for the Doctor, because he wants one last conversation with the Doctor, because Davros knows Daphros remembers not only did we have we had, we had the, the the prequel that we saw in the theaters there was also another prelude or prequel uh to this uh story arc as well that mm -hmm. uh, took place uh with the uh, the sisterhood you know i wonder if they're going to take those and splice them in uh to the uh the blu-ray or whatever when it comes out because i think that'd be really interesting to see all of that put together yeah uh, i agree you know, because um, the one of the, pre, I guess you'd say preview or prelude uh, shots that we got to see actually, I think, takes place after he goes to visit them on Karn. After uh, Colony Sarf visits them on? Yes. Because, yeah. Because you have the, uh, was the head sister talking to yes. the doctor about what he has to do. Um, yes, hold on. Her name is... I have it right here. Uh, where? Da, 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 da. Oh, Hila. And so, there's not... There's not as much uh, exposition uh, told in the actual episode that was was released 
as there probably was originally going to be, and I think that's the reason why they put it out as a little bit of a teaser before mm-hmm. the episode came out, is because they said, well, we're not going to put this in the aired episode because we don't want it to be too long, but we still want people to be able to see it. You know, So we'll use it as a preview. <laughs> right, and I think it actually fit right after his visit, uh, before before the uh, uh, the part where uh, Clara went looking for him. And we already know that the, the prequel shots that we saw at the theater come right before the battlefield scene. Yes. As disjointed yeah. as a little bit of that might seem, it very clearly fits together in a way that makes sense when you watch them all together in sequence. Right. So finally, Sarf is able to track down the Doctor and takes the Doctor, Missy, and Clara to go see Davros. Oh, oh, while I'm thinking about it. Oh? What did you think about the axe battle? <laughs> <laughs> because that comes first. <laughs> it does. Um... <laughs> It was good. I, I thought it was funny. I mean, I, I, it was great because, you know, the Doctor is obviously having this midlife crisis where, uh, in addition to wearing sunglasses and playing electric guitar, which I think that is Peter Capaldi playing it on set. It's not put in afterwards. Um, well, he's supposed and, to be a really good guitarist, so. Yeah. But of course, you know he he's got the the hair, the new hairstyle going, a little more wild hairstyle. He's playing guitar, and he's got sunglasses that apparently are now Sonic. Um, Shh, not yet. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> we're we're sort of hopping around this episode, all over these episodes, all over oh. the place. So, but I mean, which I'm not sure. We, we can talk about the Sonic sunglasses at the end, but so, I'm not sure what I think. I'm, I'm hearing him online calling them Sonic shades. So. Sonic shades. Oh, oh. <laughs> he really is having a midlife crisis. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm still not yeah. sure how I feel about those, by the way. Yeah, well, well <laughs> I wanted to ask you about that at the end. Okay, uh, but but yeah, as far as the axe battle goes, it was it was funny, and the fact that he's introduced the word "dude" a couple hundred years too early, and the fact that he's trying to make jokes that'll be funny a hundred years from now, three hundred years from now, and I'm like. My gosh, <laughs> you're really being irresponsible with time here, and you don't care, <laughs> do you? <laughs> well, he's he's thinking he's gonna die. So. Of course, but I mean, it's die tomorrow, right? But it's not really not... tomorrow because you know it's still today, right now. So <laughs> I thought it was funny because you know, dude's standing there with an axe, and he's waiting <laughs> for him to come through the gate. And he comes through with an axe, but it's not the kind of axe that he's expecting him to come through right? Uh, with. I'm not sure if you're aware of it or not. I think you probably are because I think you know, we got to see this in the theater, so I'm pretty sure it was in that same interview. Capaldi got to pick out his own guitar. Yes. And he was also the one that got to incorporate that into the Doctor because he got to bring more of himself in this season than what he had last season. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that that's really cool, you know. I agree. I agree. And I I get the suspicion that we're going to see that guitar again. <laughs> In the interview, you know, he said that 
there's a scene where the doctor actually plugs the guitar into the TARDIS. And we have not seen that yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I want to see Can that. you just imagine him playing <laughs> the guitar plugged into the TARDIS and the, the music is going across time and space? <laughs> I mean, All of time and space can hear him play. Think about what's he, what's he going to play? Was Stairway to Heaven? Or, I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> one of his own compositions. Um, or, or uh, no, what's that song? Um, to everything, turn, turn, turn. <laughs> yeah, because that's great for riffing. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, it's it's talking about time, so you know. <laughs> he needs something with that that he can solo with, with oh, that guitar. I just I think that'd be funny to see, though. <laughs> <laughs> the whole idea, though, that the doctor now plays the electric guitar, I just find that so. Oh wow! How do you put it? Refreshing. You know what I'm saying? Because it's he's played other instruments and stuff before, but it's like all of a sudden now he's playing, you know, electric guitar and it's like I don't know how to feel about this, but I like it, you know. It's yeah. it's it's cool. It's different, you know. And he's you definitely know, graduated from the recorder. Uh, of course, you know, if if they do what I was talking about doing the next reincarnation or reincarnation. The next regeneration will be uh uh, you know, like he's 15 years old, but he acts like he's 85, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I still think that would be hilarious. Fascinating. Um, the doctor finally is taken before Davros and Davros is dying and wants one last conversation with the doctor. And they get into a really interesting discussion. Uh, throughout these two episodes. First of all, it is revealed that, hey, the Daleks rebuilt Skaro. Right. Um, hits back <laughs> for good. Of course, now, they, least... they don't say exactly where it lies in the overall scheme of time either. You know, it could be thousands of years in the future in comparison to where it was before. You know, we don't know. We don't know right. how long it took them to rebuild the planet or whatever. Right, but needless to say, it's back. And I do like the fact that the, the Dalek base is very sparse and done up very much in the style of the Dalek city from the first Dalek story arc, arc just simply called the Daleks. Did, did you pick up on that? It looks like the same location, actually. Um, and it looks like to me that they just took the ruins that were already there and just rebuilt them. Yeah. Um, but, but like the interiors and all right. that stuff. See, that's, look... that's why I say that, though, is because the stuff that's underground still looks the same as the stuff we saw all the way back to the first Doctor, but the stuff mm -hmm. that's above the ground looks upgraded. Yeah, the, the, the interiors definitely have the same architecture. Daleks are not necessarily very interested in... in design they are more interested in functionality right uh and the doors open the same way as they did back with the first doctor you know same shape same you know. shape and everything which i liked uh um, oh yeah 
Uh, it's a little more cleaner, a little more pristine, I think, than what we saw with the first Doctor. The design of the new Dalek city, particularly the oh. interiors, very closely uh, reminiscent of, of what we saw with the first Doctor. Well, we got to remember, though, is with the first Doctor, we were coming out of the destruction that was caused by the war. And so mm-hmm. they still hadn't... The, 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 the city at that point was still in some kind of disrepair. So it's not going to look as nice as what it looks now because they've not they've not done any repair work on it. Um, now I will say this, and we we won't get into the details of the destruction or anything like that, but we do know that pretty much the surface of the planet got scorched, but the underside, the the part below the crust, should still have been somewhat still intact. You know, mm-hmm. and that's the reason why I think that the interiors, which, of course, go down many, many levels, were probably less touched up or less altered than all the stuff above ground. Yeah. It, um, re- referencing back to the first Doctor after the... Correct. ...the war between the Daleks and the Thals. Correct. Yeah. And, okay. and, and the thing about it, too, if you'll pay attention... Uh, which I, I know you have, but some people might need to go back and check this. The city looks different in Genesis of the Daleks than it does later when the first Doctor comes back and finds the city. Um, they have already rebuilt the city once already uh, Yeah. after Genesis. And then, of course... The events of Genesis take place, or uh, I mean, the events of uh, the Daleks rather takes place, and uh, the other storylines following up, up to that through the Second Doctor, and of course, then we, you know, we've already reviewed what happened with the Second Doctor on Scarrow, and mm-hmm. I think that was the first time that the newly built city was destroyed. At that point, they've been, but, they've rebuilt this city multiple times, I think. Yeah. But it, it sounds like the planet has been rebuilt, um, which is, you know, terrifying to both the Doctor and Missy, which means the Daleks are back for good, it appears. But that's not the, the most important part of this. The most important part is the Doctor and Davros, which, like I said, completely took me by surprise and was super excited to see that Davros is going to be back and uh, wondering how this encounter with this boy was going to play into that the boys what did you think of some of the 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 dialogue and conversations between the doctor and davros i think it was straight straight up classic doctor who um because it was very very uh much written in the same way uh as the conversations that we'd seen from the fourth doctor probably more so with the fourth doctor than just about any other doctor that we saw him interact with because I think as far as actual back-and-forth conversation, we probably saw that more with the fourth Doctor than any other Doctor. That was one of the things that reminded me a lot of Tom Baker, uh, is the the back-and-forth with uh, Capaldi and Davros in these these two episodes. It really reminded me a lot of the the two Tom Baker stories uh, Mm -hmm. with Davros, which we will talk about later. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, Davros is dying. He has been 
kept alive by basically plugging into the life energy of every Dalek on Skaro. And at this point, he is old enough and sick enough that that is still not enough for him to that remain could alive. could also explain why there are so many Daleks that have begun to rot away. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's draining them. And so he is here at this point where he wants to have one last discussion with the doctor and uh, they get into an interesting discussion about how the doctor saved Gallifrey and how pleased and happy Davros is for the doctor to have that, you know, to have Gallifrey, which was a little creepy. As soon as he said that, I was thinking, okay, what's your angle? Yeah. (laughs) It was like, um, what is going on? Why is Davros happy? Davros is never happy. <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> you know, what's going on? Yeah. And there's one point, too, where he, he wants to see the Doctor with his own eyes, and his little glowy eye thing shuts down, and he opens his actual eyes, which I didn't know he still had. Um, I thought they were basically sealed shut. I thought they know. were, like, poked out or something. That's what I thought. But apparently he still has <laughs> eyes. He just doesn't use them anymore. And he goes through this whole thing about asking, you know, am I a good person? Which references back to Capaldi's first season where he, Capaldi himself asks that question. Right. You know, am I a good person? And, you know, the doctor does not answer Davros's question because he doesn't want to hurt Davros, but there's no way he can affirm, you know, answer in the, the affirmative and, there. And see, that goes back to the whole idea of most villains don't realize they're villains. Most villains think of themselves as having a mission or having a, you know, a reason for doing the things that they do. And and they have this mental image of themselves as being some type of heroic figure in their own mind. And so I think in Davros's own way, he thinks of himself as some type of almost heroic figure because of the fact that he is supposed to have created this ultimate race or whatever mm-hmm. that's supposed to clean up the you know the universe basically of all of right. the undesirables and he he mentions to the doctor in one of their first conversations where their argument has always been you know he believes that the universe has been better off because of his daleks and mm-hmm. the doctor vehemently disagrees and he says, but that, and the doctor says, that argument died during the time war. And Davros says, it survived the time war. You know, right. it's here, it's back. You know, they, they still are at this again. It was weird and interesting because he, at first he, in the first episode, The Magician's Apprentice, he's, he's telling the doctor, you know, compassion is a weakness. Mm-hmm. And he's challenging the doctor on that. And then in the second episode, The Witch is Familiar, he starts seeming to seek the doctor's compassion, you know, particularly with wanting to see with his own eyes and see his last sunrise and all this this stuff. Well, it, it came off like he was trying to say, even though I don't feel like that this is something that I need to have for myself, I still want to have it from you. You know? Right. That's at least how it appeared and then when the doctor goes to give him just a slight jolt of regeneration energy 
in order to give him just that last little bit of energy to see that final sunrise. Right. Davros's plan comes to fruition because he has had a plan. Colony Sarf strikes and we finally find out what Davros has been up to the whole time. And I... Uh, right before we started this, I rewatched that scene mm-hmm. uh, where that revelation is is given, and I was like, "Yes, this is classic Davros." Right. You know, th- this is Davros to the core. He's been playing or, or attempting to play the Doctor the entire time in in this regard. Um, Do you remember me saying that? Sometimes Davros reminds me a little bit of the Emperor from Star Wars. Yes. Okay. Did you notice that when the Doctor went back behind Davros to share his regenerative powers, Mm -hmm. the same smile came over Davros's face as the smile that you saw at the end of Episode 3 in Star Wars when Darth Vader woke up and, (laughs) and came off that table? Now that you mention it, yes. <laughs> because he he had that same look on his face of, my plan has come to fruition. And, you know, the Doctor walks over behind Davros, and Davros starts to smile and, and sort of chuckle to himself. And my, that's when my spidey senses tingled, like, uh-oh, what's going on? And of course, the Doctor <laughs> is giving his regeneration energy. Colony Sarf strikes, and the regeneration energy is being sucked out of the doctor and not only has it rejuvenated Davros and extended his life now to basically you know I'm assuming the rest of the series the rest of the show series not just series 9 Um, (laughs) it is renewed the Daleks is is the word that the the Dalek Supreme uses uh, because of course Davros is connected to them and I don't think this is... I don't think this gives the Daleks regeneration abilities, mm-hmm. but it has at least recharged Davros in particular and the Daleks in general oh. and sort of given them you know, a shot in the arm. They've probably been hiding out on Skaro here because they've been you know, being used to keep Davros alive, and now they don't have to worry about that anymore and they are at their full capacity if right. not slightly stronger uh, the, than they used to be the one thing though that struck me uh, or at least it got my attention was when the Davros started talking about a Dalek Time Lord hybrid and how yeah. and how the Doctor in his he said, he said I think the reason why you ran from Gallifrey is because you knew, you found out that in the future there was going to be a Dalek-Time Lord hybrid, and you wanted to run because you knew that you were going to be instrumental in causing that to occur. Mm-hmm. And that that's, I don't, I don't think that that's the reason why the Doctor left Gallifrey, but I think that in, in Davros's mind he kind of projected that as being the reason why he thought the Doctor left Gallifrey. I just found that kind of interesting that he, that he said that, you know. Yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to look here on the TARDIS wiki where it t- 
to see if it talks about that, just so I can re- refresh my myself. Uh, well, it was on that. it was a very short statement. It wasn't they he he didn't last very long on that, and he didn't uh, he he almost said it as if it was just this is how it was going to be, and this was inevitable, you know, kind of thing. He he almost didn't say it as if it was some type of new giant revelation. Of course, it was to the fans, right? But he 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 basically said it as if it was something that was always destined to happen. And he believes now he has caused it to happen, and he is fulfilling mm-hmm. that. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I feel like that might be something that gets referenced later. But of course, there's also the idea, you know, Clara became, you know, a Dalek for a little bit there. And see, so that's the reason why I mentioned to you what I did before about is it possible that this story arc could have occurred at an earlier point than what we think it did in the Daleks timeline? Because in the new series of Doctor Who, in in all of the new seasons the Daleks look different than they did in the classic series. There's always been a different appearance ever since they came back. And I was wondering, you know, just how this event may have affected them physically to change their appearance in that way. I don't know. I don't know. I think we've talked about before how I think Davros's story and his appearances in Doctor Who is fairly linear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this continues that trend because he's obviously, I, I, I'm fairly convinced that this continues oh. that trend because he's old and dying at this point. I want to um, think that, you know, but I also know how they tell these stories and I know that sometimes we can't really tell. Unless you know? they say otherwise specifically, I'm going to just go out and say that this is linear, that this is mm-hmm. up to this point the the last point in time we have seen Davros and the Dalek and the Daleks. So that change, whatever that change was between the classic series and the new series of Daleks, probably took place in response to the Time War, I, rather than any dramatic uh, interference from the, the Doctor. You, you got a good point there too. They they probably did some more manipulating before the Time War Time War started, and that's probably how we ended up with the current incarnation. Now, I will say this, at least in my mind, I'm seeing a parallel. I'm thinking that possibly the uh, events of um, the evil of the Daleks and the events of uh, Daleks Take Manhattan could have possibly taken place very close before the events of this, and possibly Davros was trying to to do the the whole Dalek-human hybrid thing to try to counteract what was going on with the physicality and stuff of the Daleks that he now has found a, a way to repair through the Doctor. You it's know. possible. It's possible, but I, I don't know. Um, the, the Daleks also go off and do things without Davros's approval all the time. Mm-hmm. So Davros may have created them, but very rarely does he actually rule them. You right. know, it's only for brief periods, and... Uh, it's possible, but I, I don't want to... I'm very linear when it comes to stories, and I mm-hmm. like to see things, how they develop, and the, the arc of things. And so 
I like to keep things as least complicated and wibbly wobbly <laughs> as I possibly can. And so unless they specifically will tell me otherwise, right. I keep all this linear uh, as it is shown in the show. So Personally, um, what I would like to do at some point after we have gotten finished with our Dalek reviews and all of that, I would like to be able to watch the Dalek episodes in order like we're doing now and then go back and rearrange them and watch them in the Daleks timeline order and ah. and, and and see how the, the two line up and see exactly uh, whether or not they fall into place the same way that the Davros episodes do. I think, gotcha. I think that'd be interesting to see. Hmm. That would be an interesting experiment. All right, let's get back to these episodes. Uh, quick little note, uh, when the Doctor tries to escape for the first time and he steals Davros's chair and he wheels out into the main hall where all the Daleks are and he looks at them and says, Admit it, you've all had this exact nightmare. Um, <laughs> great moment in this episode. I loved that moment. You know what my favorite moment about that was? What? Seeing the top half of Davros lying on the floor <laughs> with no legs or anything, and it's just this metal stump sticking out of the bottom of his body. Yeah. Uh, because then you finally get to see exactly how he is, you know, attached to that chair. Because, you know, in the past you've kind of gotten this idea, well, he's paralyzed from the waist down, so he's just got legs stuck in there that don't do anything. But he's actually cut in half. Yep. You know? And, and <laughs> you know, wired himself into this casing. Um, but, yeah, I I love that part. It was great to see him sort of skid Davros's chair across the floor there. And... <laughs> well, it, but of course... it made me think of this the, the scene in, in uh, Empire Strikes Back where, where C-3PO's in pieces on the floor and he's got all those wires tangled up around him, you know? And he's just laying there swinging his arms and stuff. That's what I thought about when I saw Davros laying there like that. Nice. <laughs> but of course, as the Doctor is being drained of his regeneration energy by Davros and Colony Sarf, Missy bursts in, kills Colony Sarf. He did. Uh, it's de they're dead. However you want to say that. Yeah. And, you know, she rescues the Doctor, who reveals that... He's known all along what Davros has been up to, and he has two words for Davros. Well, he has one word for Davros. No, two. Moron and sewers. Yeah. Uh, moron because you really think I'd fall for that, and sewers because... And then he starts counting down. Right. You know, he's done that before. He's counted down before, and, you know, he gets to one, and all of a sudden... There's this giant earthquake as the foundations start, you know, being attacked basically by uh, primordial soup Daleks. <laughs> yeah, sludge Daleks. Because the, um, the 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 Dalek word for sewers is also the Dalek word for graveyard. Yeah, and all the once thought to have been dead Daleks, but really just disintegrated and uh, you know they've all been falling apart semi-dormant they've been flushed down the toilet basically yeah. um, and they just sort of create and are part of the sewers and 
I don't think there was enough regeneration energy spent to you know cause them to become brand new Daleks. It's just well, we don't awoke, we don't awoke. know at this point, you know. We don't know at this point, and we don't see any evidence to that. Um, but it definitely gave enough of a jolt to the the sewer Daleks to wake them up and make them very angry. Uh, because all of a sudden sludge starts coming out of all the different, you know, vents and, you know, things like that, and they, it starts seeping into the Daleks and attacking the Dal- the other Daleks there. See, this is another reason why I, I say that, that this whole thing with the Daleks, all the different types of Daleks being there, uh, why it made me think about the recycling of the, the suits, is because when I saw that scene, the first thing popped into my mind was, they want their old suits back <laughs> and they're, they're willing to kill the Dalek that's in that suit to get their suit back. You see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. And so, you know, I think that that is the reason why they attacked the Daleks that were, uh, you know, above the sewers is because they wanted to be back as a full fledged Dalek again. And they, they were willing to kill anything and that got in their way. Okay. So, uh, I guess the 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 last real important thing that we need to talk about is the fact that when the doctor confronts the the Clara Dalek, mm-hmm. and she's able to make it ask for mercy and say that it shows mercy. First of all, it makes the doctor realize that Clara is inside, and it also shows the doctor tells the doctor what he has to do with the the Davros kid that he saw way back at the beginning of this episode. Of course, he rescues Clara, tells Missy to run. They make their way back to the TARDIS, which, you know, basically has just uh, been saved by the HADS, the the Hostile Action Displacement System. And, you know, brings it back together with his sonic shades. (laughs) I really hope he goes back to a screwdriver soon. Just saying. <laughs> wearable. Now he's all about wearable technology. I think this would be fun if it's a fad that the doctor goes on for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I really want him to go back to the screwdriver soon. Well, he's had it all the way back to the second, right? This, yes, the sonic, the sonic screwdriver so, was first introduced with the second doctor. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's as much Doctor Who as the TARDIS is. It is so iconic. And I think that that is one of the things that, you know, I, I, I see that and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, as cool a concept as that might be, I don't think I want it to be something that they stay with. Right. Um, like I said, if, it, if it, this turns out to be a fad and he gets over it and goes back to a sonic screwdriver... I will be very happy. And I think it'll be funny, you know, to look back on in retrospect saying, oh, remember when the doctor had that fad? You know, because we all, everybody has that one fad they go through where they, they like this certain thing and everybody's like, oh, really? It'd well, be funny to have we, the doctor have the same thing. We can say that Kyle got his wish. Oh? Yeah, Kyle said that he wanted to see Capaldi's doctor have his own Sonic that didn't look like <laughs> Matt Smith's Sonic. <laughs> That is true. <laughs> we can safely say that the 11th Doctor's screwdriver is not going to be used anymore. 
because Davros has it. Uh, um, now, get this. There were people that literally went in and photoshopped the, the, the green sonic screwdriver into old shots of Davros and the Fourth Doctor back in uh, in uh, <laughs> the the, um, the two Daleks, I mean, I mean the two uh, Davros storylines that the Fourth Doctor had. Somebody wow. somebody went in and did screen captures of those and then strategically laid in like the sonic screwdriver on the like the tabletop or something like that and was trying to pass these off on Facebook and stuff as if look, I found where this was actually something that uh, Stephen Moffat saw in that scene from all the way back then and decided he was going to tell this story later on, so he chose to make that piece of equipment, the sonic screwdriver. At first, you know, like if you're looking at it on your phone, a little tiny screen or whatever, you look at it and, you, and it sort of looks legit, you know, but then you uh -huh. look at it on a bigger screen and you totally can tell it's been Photoshopped. <laughs> and so, you know, at first people were, were saying, dude, where did you find that image? You know, that is that real? You know, and then the next thing you know, people start coming back and saying, Photoshop garbage, you know, and <laughs> and why do you want to waste our time putting that stuff on here when, you know, you could be spending, you know, time doing something more productive or whatever, you know, <laughs> going, it's just fun, guys, you know. <laughs> that is funny, but... Don't try and pass it off as real. Well, um, it does sound like the kind of thing that Moffat would want to do as far as having like DVD re-releases done in special editions or something where something like that would show up in classic episodes. But who's to say that probably won't ever happen? Probably not. <laughs> it would be interesting if it did. It would be, but I doubt it. But of course, the, the Doctor the very end, you know, goes back and saves the child Davros from the mm -hmm. hand mines and takes him home. And it's that action that gives just that one one drop of mercy that the Daleks end up having that helps save Clara later. It's interesting that he does something that in the grand scheme of things doesn't change anything. Right. But but they, they made it happen so that this time he goes back and he changes just one little thing. He does something that changes just one little thing that has a profound effect in one situation later. Well, you know this um, has to be a kind of a fixed point in time because Davros has already lived and created the Daleks in the first place. So in at least to some extent, this had to be a fixed point in time to right. where the Doctor had to had to save him in some way it's just nice that you know it's not that he you know saved him and that changed Davros completely and right. he never created the Daleks and that sort of thing which would have been very pat and you know completely uh, not believable in Doctor Who um, well you would have had to have discounted so, everything that came before you know right right and so they the way that that worked I think struck that nice balance, and it wasn't you know one of these movie things where, in the end, everything turned out all right, and only these people know what happened. You know, because there's there's been those situations that Doctor Who has done before where they do change the past, and only the people involved in the changing actually remember it happening, like Ten and Martha and mm -hmm. Martha's family and the Master uh, rewriting time during 
the period where Harold Saxon was in charge, you know. Right. Um, and only they remember that things were horrible at the end of the day because they were at the, the eye of the storm when everything changed. So, Well, the, uh, the, the thing, too, about uh, saving Davros is that when, when he comes to the Doctor and he says, Davros knows, Davros remembers... We, we know at that point that he wasn't just talking about the sonic screwdriver. He was actually talking about Davros knows that you're the one that saved him. He, yeah. You know, he knows, you know, I don't think Davros necessarily figured that out the first time he met the fourth doctor. No. I don't think he put, you know, that together because, for first of all, uh, he didn't even know the doctor even had the TARDIS at that point. You know, I don't even think that he even realized it was the same person. But I think after all of the other encounters of you know meeting the Doctor again with different faces and everything, I think he finally put all the pieces together and finally figured that out. My guess is what you know where he when he finally gets it all put together is he sees some sort of you know report or footage taken from one of the Daleks encounters with the 11th Doctor mm-hmm. and he recognizes the sonic screwdriver mm-hmm. I think that that's my guess mm-hmm. of course we don't know for sure you know they didn't tell us you know definitively what happened but that's my guess as he saw a report that featured an image of the 11th Doctor and he recognized the screwdriver right and he goes oh that's who that was. And I think that that is the reason why it was something that he chose to use the doctor's compassion at that point is because he knew, even though the doctor knew who I was going to become, he still saved me back then. So I can use that mercy and I can use that compassion to my own end. You know, and to save myself or for my own ends, I should say. Um, yeah, uh, and and I think that that is that's also in my mind kind of the ultimate, you know, evil. Even though this man saved your life, and you would not even exist if he didn't do that, you're still gonna take that and use that to manipulate him again. You know, mm-hmm. into doing something that you know is not going to end well. Because I honestly yeah. believe that if the Doctor had not been able to find a way to do so, or to, you know, to escape, he would have drained the Doctor completely. Yeah. You know. Drained all of his regenerations right there. You know, he'd start regenerating and he'd just drain the energy until the Doctor was nothing left but a husk. Right. I think that would have happened, yeah. Let me ask you this. Hmm. Do you think the Doctor lost any of his regenerations in this process? No. No. It wasn't long enough, and it wasn't extreme enough. And he mentioned some at some point last season, he's showing off about something, and I, I can't remember what the situation, but I do remember him saying to Clara, I might regenerate. You know, I, I might keep on regenerating. I might not, you know, I might be able to regenerate forever. Who knows anymore? You know, he's he's already sort of you know, laid the idea that now after the the Time Lords, you know, renewed him, uh, you know, at the end of Matt Smith's run, that he may have infinite regenerations at this point. Well, we know he's supposed he's... to have at least 12 more. 
at so. least twelve more. We'll see. We'll see what happens when they cross when they get to that bridge if right. they cross it. Um, and I do but, I do know this while a time lord is regenerating, they actually can take on a different face until they pick the one they want. If they have enough control, i.e., Romana, you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we will talk about that later. Um, <laughs> but I I get the feeling the Doctor doesn't normally because the cause of his regenerations is usually so violent. Mm -hmm. I get the feeling that he doesn't normally have control over what happens mm -hmm. and which face he gets due to the nature of the beast. Um, but I, I, I'm guessing, you know, most time Lords, if they hit old age or whatever, are able to sort of regenerate peacefully and, you know, have, you know, all this preparation and the right facilities to be able to select what they want to be, or at least have some idea of who they want to be. Um, <laughs> he, he also ends up being disoriented a lot of times after it takes place as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, so that could have something to do with the, the choice being made as well. Uh, now, I will say this. We, we have already experienced a couple of the things that we heard him talk about in the interview with, uh, you know, s study up on your Dalek history, you know, mm -hmm. and also rethink your uh, perception of what regeneration is. Do you think we'll delve any deeper into that moving forward into this season? Uh, the regeneration aspect, maybe, mm -hmm. because, you know, we saw a little bit of it mm -hmm. with the, the with this, you know, the fact that it was able to renew and reinvigorate Davros and the Daleks, but it wasn't like it was something, well, I, yeah, it was dramatic, but not like earth-shatteringly dynamic and dramatic and different for regeneration mm -hmm. um, ideas. So we might see a little bit more about regeneration later on in the season, but I don't think we're going to see much more in terms of Dalek history mm -hmm. that we need to study up on. So you I think, think that's, that's the only end, uh, the only entry that we're going to have with the Daleks this season? They may show up at the end, but it'll be more in sort of that the Doctor encounters them mm -hmm. in a situation rather than you know this sort of sort of foundational this is almost like a foundational episode for the Daleks to springboard off of from this point on right um, it, it's this is almost another it's almost like you know the Daleks got a regeneration in terms of the story of Doctor Who mm -hmm. and this is like another genesis of the Daleks in that regard um, I can see that I don't think we'll get something incredibly detailed and complicated and you know referring back to previous Dalek stories if they show up again this season because they did that a lot in this in these two episodes well I know that that Stephen Moffat said that he had a purpose for wanting to go with a slightly older actor uh, this time around for the doctor and I wonder if this type of thing is what he actually had in mind from the jump when he cast Peter Capaldi is um to have uh, a very uh, Genesis of the Dalek type situation set up with this story. I wonder if he had this in mind all the way back at the beginning of last season, you know, and he was just playing the long game to bring it up. 
Oh, because cool. there was definitely a fourth Doctor vibe with Peter Capaldi in this story arc, um, and I think that mm-hmm. I think that uh, that there was a, a big parallel, like you said, with Genesis of the Dalek. Yeah, yeah, there was. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, any final thoughts on these first two episodes? How would you rate them? Uh, do you want to rate them individually or rate them as a story? Are we? What? How are we going to rank rank it? Are we going to rank it uh, with Tardises, with Sonic Shades, with Daleks? What are we going to do? Because <laughs> with our Dalek storylines, we're ranking them with Daleks. So right, right. Well, uh, let, let's do. I guess we'll do Sonic Shades for this one. Uh, <laughs> I guess. Out of ten Sonic Shades, no, 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 no. We're, we'll do. Let's do Tardises. Okay. Uh, out of ten Tardises, how many do you want to do the two episodes as one story, or do you want to rate them individually? Either way. Let's do it as one story. Okay. Because we've been doing that with the uh, the classic stuff. The Magician's Apprentice and Witch's Familiar two-parter, the Davros arc from series nine. How would you rate these? Mm, I'm gonna say nine. Nine, yeah. cool. I'm gonna say a nine because I mean it's it's not perfect, you know. Let's let's not get crazy. Uh, right. It's it's not perfect, but it's it's up there, you know. I mean, it, to me, it's on the same level as Genesis of the Daleks, and Genesis of the Daleks is one of my favorite Doctor Who stories. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a nine. I will give it. Uh, an eight and a half. I'll give it a nine for the first episode for The Magician's Apprentice and an eight for The Witch's Familiar, so that'll even out to an eight and a half. Like I said uh, earlier, I do think The Witch's Familiar lacked a little bit of the punch of the first episode. Not too much, but I do think the first episode was the better of the two. Um, Well, if I had a criticism, I would say... That I would say that I felt like that for all of the lead up that we had, it seemed like the resolution happened a little faster than I expected it to, if, okay. if that makes sense. So as far as the balance of it goes, uh, it, it almost seemed like it resolved itself faster than I would have expected it to have resolved itself. It seemed like to me that we had a long, long period of build up, and then... We had the climax with the doctor being hooked into the machine and it's draining his regenerative powers. And then we have the finale of the episode, you know, and Mm. and the resolution. And it seemed like that the time frame for the buildup compared to the time frame we had for the resolution seemed just a little bit unbalanced as far as my opinion goes. That's actually a really good you know? uh, point. Yeah, because even in the first episode, even in uh, The Magician's Apprentice, it's half of the episode before we... before the entire cast of characters is all together, before Missy and right, Clara right. and the Doctor are all together and are off to, you know, and are going with Colony Sarf. Right. The episode's half over by that point. So there's a lot of build-up in these two episodes... Um, and I think the just the the impact of the Daleks and the return of Scarrow and the return of Davros made up for the immense amount of buildup in right. Magician's Apprentice, and it didn't have that same 
impact of the last half of The Witch's Familiar to make up for the build-up and the, the dialogue there. And see, now, part, uh, I, I, part of this... A good, that's a good point. Part of this could be because I've gotten such a feel here lately for the classic episodes. But, you know, a lot of the classic episodes are done in six-parters, you know, and they're half-hour piece. And so I'm looking at this storyline, and in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, how in some of the past episodes in the classic series, how we've said before, like, well, this one was eight episodes long, but they could have told the story in six. I'm looking at this one, and I'm going, this was two episodes long, but they could have gotten away with telling it in three. And I, and, And and I would have still been okay with that. I would have been okay with it, but I think the general audience would have gotten tired of it, especially since we only get 12 or 13 episodes in a season. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm just saying there was enough enough meat there. There was enough story capability there that they could have made it three episodes long, and it still would have felt natural. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. I agree. Okay, well... Uh, the next episode of Series 9 that will premiere this weekend is going to be Under the Lake. And it looks like that's also going to be a two-parter, Under the Lake and Before the Flood. So it's, we will not... It's looking like the, will, everything's going to be two-parter this season, doesn't it? Most of it. That's what it's looking like. Uh, um, it looks like there may be a couple of episodes that are going to be one-offs. But I think most of it going to have a lot of... Which is exactly the opposite of what we had last season. Right. Uh, They were all one-offs except for the end. That being the case, we will not be talking about uh, the new Series 9 episode next week. We're going to wait until the two-parter is completed to talk about it like we did with this episode. Next week, we are going to be talking about uh, a new companion. Uh, episode. We're going to have a new companion episode. We still want you guys to vote in and let us know which companions you want us to talk about. We've got it on our social media. At the moment, Amy is in the lead, so unless something dramatic changes, we will likely be talking about Amy next episode. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. And guys, uh, but... we're fully capable of making the choice on this thing of who we want to talk about. We just want you guys to interact with us on this so that we can, you know, let you guys be part of the show. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, this is always more fun when there's more than just the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> we need companions of our own. Exactly. Um, <laughs> our TARDIS on the internet, if you will, is TalkingTimeLords.com. That's where you can find all of our information. Our social media is Facebook.com slash TalkingTimeLords, at TalkingTimeLord on Twitter, or you can email us at TalkingTimeLords at gmail.com. Anything else, Paul? Just looking forward to next episode, man. Oh, man. <laughs> next episode of the show and next episode of the podcast. Both. Both. <laughs> it's a good time to be a Doctor Who fan, yes. let me tell you. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number 18 the Magician's Apprentice, and the Witch's Familiar. For Paul, I'm Jason, and remember, until next time... May you hope far-flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. Thanks, guys. Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts, or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the shows.